Samsung's biggest phone just launched, and it is a beast. And for a time, it looked like the only way I could cover it would be to have a little help from my friends. And that's exactly what Hayato Huseman is here to do. Except things have changed, and now I can tell you about it, but he's still going to tell you about it before I tell you about it. Never mind, this is the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Hello and welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we have my neighbor from Indiana, Hayato Huseman, here to tell us all about the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra and its smaller siblings. Hayato just finished up his review of the Galaxy S21 Ultra and is moving on to the Galaxy S21, so he's in a good position to tell us all about them. Plus, we have a Tech Yeah segment from our friends at Lenovo, and we'll get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. Why don't we start off our news with another edition of Freelance Corner because people, I've been busy. At Digital Trends, I wrote a review for the Logitech Circle View doorbell, which is a video doorbell that relies entirely on Apple's secure video protocol for HomeKit. In other words, it doesn't work with Android, like at all. It's almost a little silly. Over at LifeWire, I've been up to my eyeballs and best lists. I've got kids' wearables. I've got hoverboards. I've got headphones for running. You know what? I'm not even sure what's even published at this point. It's just been a bunch of writing. So I'm just going to drop the links to the ones that are live in the show notes and you go to town. Over at Android Central, I've posted a couple of other pieces answering questions about the Galaxy S21. Again, I'm a little fuzzy on what's actually published since the last time I talked about this and what will publish between the time I'm writing the script and when this airs. So again, links in the show notes. Let's move on to the news. Here's another quick note on a thing that I don't really understand, but it's a fairly significant story in the tech world, so I kind of feel like I need to talk about it. And to make things perfectly clear, I'm going to defer to the links in the show notes when I get something wrong. And despite the fact that this is only a 30-second segment, I'm destined to get things wrong, so... Anyway, so this week you've probably heard the names of companies like GameStop and AMC, the movie theater company, and how they're making some bank this week. Well, that's largely because of Reddit, Discord, and Robinhood, the app, not Carrie Elwes. You see, stock trading in my world is one of two things. It's either mystical spell-weaving mumbo-jumbo, the type often seen on the CW, or it's complete BS guessing as to what might happen tomorrow and betting on it today. I suspect the actual answer lies somewhere in between those two. The point is, is that users on Reddit and Discord and people who are home bored because of the pandemic have taken to day trading to fill time and make some money on the side. And these users are meeting in the public forums like Reddit and Discord to try to band together and collectively make purchases that affect stock prices. And it's kind of working. And more so, it's working against the people that do this stuff professionally down on Wall Street and hedge fund managers. Because while no one in their right mind would buy the hell out of GameStop stock, that's exactly what people did. And Wall Street people who were trying to manipulate the system by short selling that stock ended up taking a bath. Now they're talking about investigations by the SEC and Robin Hood halting trading and raising an extra billion dollars because of this. And one side of me wants to say, good for you, day traders, stick it to the man. And the other side of me is saying, stick it to who? And who's the man in this scenario? I don't even know. 
bottom line, I don't know anything about this, but there are people who do, and those stories are linked in the show notes. So if you want to check out those stories and, hey, get involved on this and make some money, I'm only going to ask for a 10% finder's fee, and now I'm going to go lie down with a cold rag on my head. SpaceX made a historic launch this week, shuttling 143 satellites into orbit during its rideshare program. The Verge compares this to Uber, where small satellites share space aboard a larger rocket with other satellites and payloads. And as a resident metaphor maker on this podcast, I have to say that this is slightly different. It's actually more like a carpool. Tucked inside this space station wagon were 48 Earth imaging satellites from Planet, 17 communication satellites from Kepler, 30 satellites for the U.S. and Europe that are definitely not spy satellites. Why would you even think that they're a spy satellites? And 10 more Starlink satellites, bringing the total number of those close to 1,000, which is actually a lot more than I was expecting by this point. Sounds like Starlink is starting to get serious. Nicely done. But anyway, that was 143 satellites in total, breaking the previous record of 104 set by an Indian company in 2017. And honestly, why don't we hear more about the Indian space program? Can I get an amen? This next story is more of a PSA for my legions of Oculus Quest listeners, so pay attention, Cody, Mike, and Jamie. Inverse posted instructions on how you can go about playing games like Half-Life Alex wirelessly, assuming that you have an Oculus Quest and a computer that's capable of running the game in the first place. It involves downloading some apps and, yes, buying one app for like 20 bucks and sideloading some apps, which is not hard. But I should also mention, no, I don't plan to do this myself. I honestly don't have enough time to play Beat Saber, let alone a more involved game like Half-Life Alex. So I don't know if it works or not, but Inverse says it does, and that's good enough for me. So I pass it along to y'all. Last week, we talked about how the White House put out a call for coders by embedding a secret message to nerds in the source code of WhiteHouse.gov. Now, security researchers are claiming that such a call to arms was risky. Basically, by hiding the Easter egg in the source code, Ed Amoroso, CEO of Tag Cyber, said the tactic was dangerous because it encourages people to dig around in the source code looking for clues and hints rather than just using the user face that's right in front of them. And you really shouldn't encourage that behavior. I mean the digging, not the using the user interface. Anyway, so I get that, but lighten up, dude. Putting that message there isn't encouraging others to go dig in the source code, except for people who would normally, you know, dig into the source code. And people who don't will continue to not. So there really isn't a problem here, except the CEO of Tag Cyber wanted to make sure that people interested in cybersecurity know the name Tag Cyber. And oh, okay, I get it now. Well played, sir. Verizon is busy building out its sub-6 Pretty Please Apple Let Us Sell the iPhone 5G network, and it's pissing some residents off in Houston, Texas to do it. It seems that Verizon is dropping what it calls ground furniture, which is a cute euphemism, onto parkways of people's lawns like smack dab, like right in the middle of their houses. And yeah, the boxes are kind of ugly. The Houston Chronicle picked up the story, and residents are really pissed off about it. Basically, these are four-foot-tall boxes being installed in front of people's front doors, and it's driving down property values. Now, the way it works here in the States, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is generally the last six feet of grass before you hit the street, or if you have a sidewalk, the strip of grass between the street and the sidewalk is called the parkway. And the city you live in has full rights to do whatever they want 
to that parkway, run cables, plant trees, install utility boxes, etc. But most cities reserve specific places for the stuff like alleyways or corner parkways where there isn't anything right in front of someone's front door because it's kind of gross and it sucks that apparently Verizon doesn't care about things like aesthetics or not being a dick, but again, this is Verizon, so I guess we kind of already knew that. Verizon, you can be better, so be better. During our CES episode, I talked about a company who was working on a non-invasive glucose monitoring wearable, and as it turns out, they might have good timing because according to ET News, both Apple and Samsung are working on bringing that feature to their next generation smartwatches as well. I really talked a lot about this during the CES episode, so I'm not going to harp for too long about this, but for diabetics, this could be game-changing. Even for non-diabetics, low blood sugar is a thing, and a watch that constantly monitors that would be amazing. Here's hoping that someone manages to get this done sometime soon. Apple announced this week that its new iPhone can indeed interfere with pacemakers and other medical devices. The reason? MagSafe magnets embedded in the phones, and yeah, that makes sense. Whoops. Pacemakers and implanted defibrillators can be adversely affected by the magnets in phones and MagSafe accessories. Apple advised that people with such devices keep the iPhone at least 6 inches away from the devices or 12 inches if a MagSafe accessory is in use, like a MagSafe wallet, for example. Totally makes sense, and I kind of wonder why A, it took this long for anyone to test it, and B, why didn't anybody think of this before? It turns out doctors in Michigan tested three different patients with implanted defibrillators, and while they held the iPhone up to the devices, the devices went into a suspended state. Kind of makes you wonder how the doctor told the patients they were going to test this. Um, hmm, would you mind slipping this into your breast pocket? Yeah, sure, but why? No reason. Are you okay? So the bottom line is, if you have an implanted device in your chest, don't carry your phone right next to your chest. That's always good advice. This week saw the release of a pair of new phones, and we're going to start with the cheaper one. The Motorola Edge S came out in China this week, and I gotta say... It's a whole lot of phone for not a whole lot of money. You've got a 6.7-inch 90 hertz LCD screen, Snapdragon 870 processor, which you'll recall is the Snapdragon 865 with a new bow on it. It comes with 6 or 8 gigabytes of RAM and 128 or 256 gigabytes of storage. There are two cameras on the front and four on the back. Those four cameras are a 64-megapixel main camera, a 16-megapixel ultra-wide camera, Oh, and a 2-megapixel depth sensor and a time-of-flight sensor. So really, there's only two cameras on the back, but whatever. The phone also has a 5,000 mAh battery with 20-watt charging. The phone will make its debut in China for what amounts to about $300, which is very, very not bad. The phone ships with Android 11, and honestly, that's probably all it'll ever have, because this is Motorola, after all. But for the price, it's kind of hard to argue. If the phone makes it to other international markets, you can expect it to be called the Moto G100 for some reason. But if it does make it over here near that price point, that'll be a pretty good pickup, methinks. Now let's talk about the other phone which came out that costs a mere eight times that amount. The Sony Xperia Pro launched this week as a 4K phone with 5G broadcast capability for $2,500 and just holy crap Ola! Now, to be fair, Sony says that this new phone will bring with it the ability to stream live 4K content 
over 5G with four millimeter wave antennas and it is no slouch. The other Halo feature is the fact that this phone has a built-in HDMI in port that allows you to use the phone as an external camera monitor while simultaneously streaming that 4K video. Most photographers will pick up an external monitor for their cameras because it gives them a much better idea of what's going on in the shot. Some other creators will buy the hardware necessary to stream their video to the internet in real time and that gear alone can cost around $2,000 or more. So Sony is betting on the fact that if you can do all of that with just your phone, you'll be willing to fork over that extra scratch. And make no mistake, when all of us have been asking what does pro mean in a pro phone, Sony is the first one to accurately answer that question. So basically what you get is a Sony Xperia 1 Mark II with the 4K monitor and broadcast capabilities. By itself, that's probably not worth all the money for a consumer. But if you're a creator or a professional broadcaster, the Xperia Pro is a device that you absolutely should take seriously because it can up your game quite a bit and still have the benefit of being a pretty great smartphone besides. A few months ago, the mobile world took notice when OnePlus co-founder Carl Pei left the company, citing some differences in the direction of the company. Now Carl Pei has announced his new company, Nothing. As in, the name of the company is literally the word nothing. So The Verge asked, what is nothing? What is it going to be? And Pei's answer was about as nothing as it could get. Allow me to quote some of it. Nothing's mission is to remove barriers between people and technology to create a seamless digital future. We believe that the best technology is beautiful, yet natural and intuitive to use. When sufficiently advanced, it should fade into the background and feel like nothing. Yeah, huh? Pei will not elaborate on what nothing will be. He's got investors on board who include none other than Casey Neistat. Wonder if he had to take off the sunglasses to write the check. But beyond that, there's nothing to know about nothing. Honestly, if you ask me, this feels a lot like a reboot of The Essential Company. Basically, some rock star idea man who had some success in the past is putting together a team to build some technology that promises to redefine how we use our electronics, and in the end, it's going to produce a really expensive phone with a crappy camera. Maybe you're better off just sticking with nothing, Carl. Whatever. When you have something to actually announce, let us know. I will not be sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring, because nothing really bugs me more than when there's a bunch of hype and a bunch of buildup, and then you spend an hour talking without saying anything. It's really just gross, and it kind of makes me wish you had actually just said nothing. And finally, for the longest time, there was a saying that money can't buy happiness. At a certain threshold, around $75,000 per year, the amount of extra happiness you end up getting is nominal. Like, $70,000 a year is peak happiness, and it doesn't get better than that. Except that study was stupid and wrong. It turns out a new study now says that, yeah, people who make millions and millions of dollars every year are way happier than those who make 75000 And the poor bastards who don't even make 75000 like <clears throat> podcasters, yeah, they don't even know what happiness is. Well, that's not really true, but this new study shows that rich people are way happier than everyone else, and this study was recently published in the New England Journal of Things Everyone Already Knows, so please stop wasting our time. Attachment, DevOps, Backend, Frameworks, Backward, Compounded, Orient, Natural Language, Software, Blue Text Editor, Bookmark, Boolean, Web Server. Welcome to Tech Yeah! 
this week, I want to tell you about a device that I've been using for quite some time. It's the Lenovo Smart Clock Essential. Put simply, this is a Google Home Mini with a clock face. The clock face is a digital display that can show you the time and the weather, but that's it. There's also four LED lights across the top that activate when you speak to the G-Man. Everything is controlled through your voice, and you can do everything through the clock that you can do through a normal Google Home. Ask about the weather, set reminders, control your smart home, play music, etc. The main difference here is in the clock face, which looks like any other normal bedroom clock. The clock essential is a diamond shape in the back, which goes to a point. There are four buttons across the top of the display, which adjust volume, playback, and let you see your alarms. You can set your alarm just by telling Google. In the morning, when you want to snooze, you can say, Okay, G, snooze, and by default it snoozes for 10 minutes. You can also tell it to snooze for longer, like, Okay, G, snooze for 45 minutes. Or you can say, Okay, G, snooze until 9 o'clock. You can also push one of the four buttons at the top to turn the alarm off. I actually don't like that feature because any of the three buttons snoozes the alarm while the fourth turns it off, but when you're that tired, there's no guarantee that you're going to hit the right one and suddenly you're going to be late for the meeting. The face of the clock is black and the numbers are white. The side and back of the clock are covered in gray fabric. Overall, it's a nice aesthetic, but it's not radically different than a normal Google Home Mini or a Nest Mini or whatever the hell they're calling them these days. The only difference is the clock face, which is nice, and there's a nightlight halo ring around the back that lights up when the alarm goes off, and a USB port that you can use to charge a device, which is a nice little bonus. The pricing for the clock isn't bad either, at around $40, which is about what a Nest Mini and a normal alarm clock would run you. It's definitely a device that's nice to have if you happen to want a Google Mini in your bedroom, and I can think of plenty of reasons why you wouldn't, believe me. But again, this is Lenovo playing in the fringe space of devices that maybe nobody specifically asked for, but it turns out they kind of want them. So, yes, I would love it if it had a normal screen and could play Netflix and stuff like that. Of course I would. But for what it is, it's a great little device, and should you feel the desire to pick one up, I've linked it at benefitofadoubt.com. Our next guest on the podcast is someone who I've had the unique opportunity and privilege to see his entire career grow and improve over time. From fan reader to part-time writer to full-time reviewer to senior editor, he's been a study of drive, ambition, and pure talent, much like his drinking. I've worked with him at Pocket Now. I've worked with him at Android Central. And now I'm interviewing him at Benefit of the Doubt. Hi, Otto Huseman. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. Well, you are so welcome. Thanks for coming on. And, you know, like, I, I kind of feel bad because, okay, so let me just tell the whole story. It, it's funny because when we first started talking about bringing you on the show, you were going to be like my only Samsung Galaxy S21 coverage because I can't afford a $1,200 phone. But then T-Mobile lost its goddamn mind and offered me $800 for a $300 phone. And, hey, what do you know? My Ultra is on its way. But... <laughs> I mean, so, but despite all that, like, it's not coming until the end of the month and whatever, but despite all that, I still want to talk to you because A, you're awesome, and B, who knows if people will even still care about the Ultra by the time I get mine, so I figure I'll take this opportunity, you just finished up your your Samsung S21 Ultra coverage at Android Central, and I believe you've moved into the S21 I have vanilla edition. Okay, so, um, so cool. So you like you're like all things S twenty one right now, and so I figured I'd have you on the show and we'll chit chat about it. How's that sound? It sounds pretty good. 
I'm I would hope it. it would sound pretty good because here you are. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I'm, I'm changing my mind. I'll, I, you know, just have me on some other time. I'll, I'll see you later. This is going to be a really awkward conversation <laughs> from now on. I'm just saying. So anyway, no, no, it's going to be great. And it's going to be amazing. And we're going to have some fun. So but I want to go ahead and get started by starting off. You just finished off your S21 Ultra review. I just want to get like a high level impressions of this phone from your reviewers eyes what do you think about this phone sure so uh, you know it's it's not like a, a, a terribly new take i feel like everybody's had pretty much the same resounding impression of the phone uh it, it's pretty much the best i think the best android phone you can buy right now it's it's very well balanced it you know pretty much does everything you would expect and they fixed all of the issues and minor complaints we had about last year's s20 ultra so you know you, you get Better, much more reliable cameras. They're very, very versatile, of course. You get this incredible screen. It's still a giant phone, and it's it's a lot bigger than something I would like to use every day. So mm. I'm I'm kind of glad to not be using it anymore now that I've switched. I'm a little to the nervous about one. that. I'm be I'll be honest, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot to get used to. You, I feel like you'll you'll you know once you spend a few days with it, it it kind of becomes a bit more like normal feeling, but it never stops being big. You know, it's 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 a lot of phone. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I'm totally worried about the size because, like, I've been using the Samsung Galaxy S20 FE, and I've been using, you know, like, the iPhone 12, and the iPhone 12 Pro is 6.1 inches, if I remember correctly, and this is, like, 6.7, so... 6 oh, I remember what I was saying. I remember what I was... Oh, 6.8. Great. Yeah. No, no, so I remember what I was saying. So I was in charge of writing, and this actually kind of moves us over to the S21 vanilla conversation but i've I've been in charge of writing a um like a comparison like a versus piece from the s20 to the s21 plus so the s20 plus to the s21 plus and so like you know one of the things that we do at android central is we like lay out all the specifications for you and i'm like s20 copy paste s21 s20 copy paste s21 it's like actually remarkable like how many things samsung kept from the s20 plus and put it into the s21 plus like the camera setup is basically the same i think the only thing that's missing is like a time of flight sensor in the that was in the s20 that is not in the s21 and so it's like uh, things that were like you know, the normal things that you would see, like, you know, in a spec bump, air quotes, were just not bumped sure. <laughs> going from going from one phone to the other. But then, you know, the other thing that I had to emphasize in this piece was Samsung knocked $200 off the price. Right. So, you know, which is kind of, you know, kind of awesome and, abs- and absolutely necessary, to be totally honest. But so, like, that's the one thing that kind of like kind of blew me away like when looking at the s21 versus the s20 and the s21 plus versus the s20 plus is they're basically the same phone and then like but moving on to the s21 ultra that's a different conversation entirely because that is absolutely not a carbon copy of last year's phone so let's uh why don't we talk about a few of the differences between the two that like you know just off the top of your head like Obviously, that we're going to talk about that 10x zoom camera because that is something that I've wanted in a phone for a very long time. Let, let me rephrase: that is something that I have wanted in a phone that I've owned for a very long time. <laughs> so we've had it for a long time, but we I haven't had it in a phone. Um, so anyway, let's just talk about some of those differences, if we could. Sure. I mean, the two of the biggest ones that stood out to me right away when I when I first took it out of the box was for one, the design is 
so much nicer. I think the S20 Ultra was about the most generic looking and sort of the ugliest phone I've seen in years. It's just, there, there's nothing good about that design. Ouch. Obviously, right. that's completely superficial. <laughs> that's that's not like a, you know, that, that doesn't make a difference in daily use. But oh, sure. Um, I think the S21 Ultra is really a gorgeous piece of hardware. And um, if, obviously, there, there are the smaller S21 models, I would love to get this exact design of the Ultra in a smaller form factor that would work for my hands, something like the S21 size with the Ultra's hmm. camera housing and, and uh, this, this matte textured glass design. I would love that. Hmm. Um, okay. The other one that's a lot more functional is that they brought the same uh, uh, laser autofocus sensor that they used on the Note 20 Ultra. They brought that over to the S21 Ultra to fix the S20 Ultra's... Um, major focusing problems. I was looking back at some camera samples that I took last year with the S20, uh, S20 Ultra. There's too many mm-hmm. Ultras to go through. Right. Um, but I was looking at some samples from the S20 Ultra, and a lot of them were just completely out of focus, uh, even though the subject was right in front of the camera. Like, it should have been a no-brainer. Any other phone would have gotten it. And they looked terrible on that phone, even though it's a very capable sensor. And so this year, with that laser autofocus, that's really not an issue anymore. I haven't had any focusing problems on the main camera of the S21 Ultra. And that's a huge step forward um, because obviously this is very, very powerful hardware. It should perform really well in just about any situation. Uh, and that, that was sort of the missing piece that now allows it to do, uh, to, to really live up to its full potential, I guess you would say. You know, as a parent, Zoom has always been a much more bigger focus for me than ultra wide. Like I sure. get why people like ultra wide, Totally understand it, but you know when Google on the Pixel Four, Pixel Four, right, went with went with telephoto instead of ultra wide, yeah, and like everyone's like, eh. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but I mean, again, it was only like a two x zoom or three x zoom. It was not that impressive. Yeah, I think it was two x. Yeah, it was like it was like okay, so you went with zoom, good, but you went with like the worst zoom, so yeah. bad. Uh, but but like so, I am just I mean I can't I can't even tell you how much I'm looking forward to playing with that 10x lens, um, yeah. because that is going to be incredible. I I do think that's another big big improvement this year. Um, so last year's sensor or last year's uh, S20 Ultra, it had a 4x optical telephoto. Uh, and then all of the rest of the zoom all the way up to 100x was really just offset with uh, a, a bunch of, you know, basically just digitally zooming and, and cropping into the image and all kinds of different uh, effects. This time they're doing two telephoto lenses, one at 3x and one at 10. So that way you can get that sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of more like short range zoom uh, as well as something as far as 10x completely uh, losslessly, right? Like that's just the native perspective of each lens. And then right. if you want more, you can go in between 3x and 10x with digital zoom, uh, or you can go from 10x all the way up to 100 with digital zoom as well. It it really makes a big difference as far as clarity goes. I mm-hmm. still don't think 100x is something that that you're ever going to use in your daily. You know, like you're not going to use it for anything other than like, hey, look what my phone can do when you're showing right. it to your friends. Oh yeah, totally. But even at like 30x. Images are pretty usable, um, and and below that, you know, it just gets better and better the lower you go. Obviously, so I mean, 10x looks really good because it's native. 3x looks really good. Um, 5x or 8x or anything between those two also looks great because um, it's not really pushing the upper limits of digital zoom on either sensor quite yet. 
Now, I want to get over to Samsung also kind of made a splash, not a, I don't know about a huge splash, but announced uh, One UI 3.0, I believe, with the with this series. And I also got it on the, they made a big point about it at the uh, at the Unpacked event. So could you talk about a little a little bit about Samsung software or seeing any improvements there? Sure. So, I mean, this is this is actually version 3.1. Uh, we saw 3.0 3. 1, right. um, 3.0 kind of rolled out over the last few months um, just on, on Android 11 updates to existing Samsung devices. Uh, right. This is the first time we've seen 3.1. And honestly, I don't see, I don't think I've seen any differences between the, the the dot versions like 3.0 to 3.1 it, it seems identical but okay three in general one ui3 is a pretty big step up from one ui2 as far as aesthetics especially you know now everything has this sort of gaussian blur behind everything uh, whenever you pull down your notifications or you look at your app drawer there's just a blur that separates the foreground um, from the background elements that are sort of behind what you're doing and it, it's a choice i don't know if I necessarily <laughs> love that look, but it's it's a very distinctive look that definitely, um, it creates separation, which I think is, is useful. Um, there, there are some other more functional changes as well. I mean, for one, you get a lot of Android 11 changes in general that, that Google sort of brought uh, last year. So you get more categorized notifications. You get sort of uh, like expanded media controls and things like that. You also, on One UI 3.1, one of the changes I did notice was that you can change the the news feed that sits on the left of your home screens. It's it's always been on Samsung phones. <laughs> You've always been stuck with Samsung's news feeds, and it's it's gone through different names. Right now, it's called Samsung Free, um, but you can change it finally to Google's Discover feed, and it it's so nice. It's so nice. You know, Samsung's news feeds are honestly not bad these days, but I think especially with more and more people, you know, just sort of pouring their entire life into their Gmail account, Google knows exactly what kind of news you want to read already. You don't have to train a new thing. And so oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's really nice. Even if you like the features of Samsung's newsfeed, it's really nice to just have one that, that is already curated to you as soon as you turn on the phone. It's, it's great. Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. That's benefitofthedoubt.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. Um, so let's talk about black. How black is the black? Oh, dude, it's so it's so good. Um, yeah? I haven't seen I mean, the... 
I is it seen... three minutes of a pre-recorded pre presentation good? That's my question. I've been seeing so many people talk about that. I did not watch the keynote because, like, we already had all the info <laughs> embargoed. I was trying to, like, you know, write right. up a news announcer and all this stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would talk about this for three minutes, totally. Um, <laughs> it's a really, really good-looking black. I haven't actually seen the, the Phantom Silver finish in person, but... Okay. Um, more phones, I think, need to embrace this, like, frosted matte black glass design with, like, the same kind of matte, uh, matte black on the metal camera housing. It's it's gorgeous. It looks mm. amazing. Uh, fingerprints don't really show up all that much on this phone. It's, it's I've an heard incredibly good-looking phone. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like Johnny Ive black. I mean, like, I don't... I, you didn't see the presentation, but they went full Johnny Ive on this thing. Yeah. Like, um, you know, it was like, we... We made black not by adding, but by removing. And I was just like, dude, seriously? Like, and it's like, in the, pres in the presentation that was already 75 minutes long, I did not have time for that crap. Anyway, so, all right, so um, let's transition on over and talk about the S21 a little bit. Since you're just moving into that phone, I want to get kind of your overall impressions on this phone and, like, where it stand how it stands up compared to the rest of the S21 lineup. Yeah, so the reason Samsung sent us the small S21 and the S21 Ultra, they didn't send us the Plus, but... You know, the reason they sent us the the sort of the top end and the bottom end of the spectrum is to really show us um, to to let us see how little of a difference there is as far as the overall experience goes. Like it really feels mm. like you're using the same phone. Um, mm, okay. And I think for most part that holds up. You know, like it, you're getting a lot less RAM on the S21. You know, you get eight gigs versus all the way up to sixteen, depending on which uh, configuration of the Ultra you buy. Uh, you get a plastic back instead of glass. You get a flat screen at 1080p instead of Quad HD and curved. So there, there are some some hardware compromises, but um, the actual experience of using the phones, I, I really do think it's it's almost indistinguishable. Um, mm. I've noticed the screens are a little different. So it's I always turn off vivid mode. That's one of the first things I do on every phone. I, I don't like that super saturated look. I just want that sort of natural effect. Sure, um, okay. And the regular S21 is a little bit less saturated. So it, I don't like it to be oversaturated, but this is sort of pushing on maybe a little undersaturated in natural Okay, mode. going the other way with it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah almost almost to a detriment. Um, and there, there's, you know, the, the cameras aren't quite as good. You're not getting really like huge upgrades over last year. In fact, as far as I can tell, these are largely the same cameras as last year's S20. Yeah, they're largely the same. I'd say the the key difference is going to be like in that Snapdragon 888, right. which is you know had a major focus on photography and like you know getting like three 4K streams from all the cameras and all that stuff. So like I think there's probably going to be an improvement there, especially from like the AI standpoint of it. But like from actual hardware, you're yeah, it's it's like I said, it's copy and paste. Right. The other thing I've noticed is like that they made a really big deal about how you can shoot 4K 60 on all five lenses front and back with the S21 Ultra. Uh, mm -hmm. The regular S21, that's not the case. So hmm. you can also shoot 8K24 on the main sensor, just like you can on the Ultra. Um, 4K60, you can do on the main and the Ultra wide. But if you want to do telephoto, you're kicked down to 4K30, which, oh no, you know, 4K30, <laughs> that's all I can shoot. But it's, you know, it's, it's worth noting. And I think the same goes for the front camera. I'm firing that up right now. And 
Actually, you you can shoot 4K 60 on the front, so that's kind of fun. Okay, so um, just the one telephoto lens. Right. What's wrong with that one little bastard, huh? <laughs> so there, there's some little differences in the... Actually, some pretty big differences in the cameras. Um, yeah. But otherwise, you know, this for, what, uh, $400 cheaper from S21 to Ultra? Um, mm-hmm. This really is a very similar experience, and I think anybody buying the smaller S21 is going to be happy. You know, I, I've, I've been using it for the last few days ever since I wrapped up my ultra review. Battery life has been pretty similarly great. Um, of course, I'm running at 1080p because that's the max on here versus the ultra. I was running quad HD and 120 hertz at the same time. Okay. Um, so the, the, there, there's a difference there, and this display is not as bright. But battery life has been about the same for me on both phones. It's, it's been good on both. Mm-hmm. Um, cameras have been good like it, everything is there um you just nice. have to be okay i guess with with some of the hardware differences and I, I i hesitate to call them compromises because like again you might not see it as a compromise if if you like plastic versus glass um or, or flat screens versus curved or yeah absolutely i actually prefer flat screens um same i think the one <laughs> missing feature on this aside from the cameras is that the s21 ultra supports the s pen and you will not get that on the S21 or the S21 Plus. Again, yeah. to me, that's not a huge deal. But if you really value the S Pen, the Ultra is obviously your only option there. Yeah. Do you really value the S Pen? I'm just curious. Like, your personally, like, how, how what's your what's your stance on the S Pen? You know, it's it's nice to have sometimes. I think, especially during the winter, when um, I've got I've got uh, gloves that support touchscreens. Um, but because they're not really but well let's fitted, be honest. yeah, they, they don't they don't work well. They're not fitted for my hands very well. So if I like if I stretch the fabric to like reach the very tips of my fingers, then it it works. But it's not ideal. So yeah. especially in the winter, having a stylus like that is very nice. Um, but even then, on the S twenty one Ultra, there's nowhere to put it. It's not like right. a note. So like you just have to carry it in a pocket, which is what I've done, and that's mostly fine because it's winter and I've got a coat with a ton of pockets, but you know, come summertime, that's not going to be as convenient. I'm going to be sticking that in my pants pocket and the pen's going to, you know, stab through my pocket and it's, it's not ideal. Um, you can get a case for it that has a spot for the S pen, but then it makes the already enormous phone even wider, even bigger. Yeah. yeah. So there's really not like an ideal situation (laughs) here. So I, I, I think for me personally, it's nice to have, but it's not a necessity. And if it is a necessity to you, I think you, you're still better off with a Note. I mean, the Note 20 Ultra is a great phone. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think I'm going to totally pass on the S Pen for mine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because with the, in addition to the insane, like, you know, selling a $1,200 phone for $400, uh, Samsung's also still doing that $200 credit yeah. <laughs> to the yeah. store, which is just like, like I, I'm really having trouble wrapping my mind around like how crazy this deal is. Yeah, I mean, um, but anyway, giving, Samsung's giving out more money than the U.S. government, which is uh, really saying something. Right, right. Well, you know, give it, give it time. I yeah. might get my MacBook yet. Anyway, <laughs> um, so like, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh, yeah. So, um, um, so you know, they they're giving you that credit. So I think I'm gonna pass on the S Pen. I think I'm gonna go uh, Buds Pro. Did yeah. you get a chance to t- try out the Buds Pro? No, I, I didn't. Uh, our, our managing editor, Daniel Bader, got to uh, get the review, the review unit instead. Um, okay. I still am on the, the Buds Plus, which I still really love. 
okay. I don't use them that often these days because like now that I'm stuck at home, you know, like I, I found them really convenient for travel uh, just so I can sure. like, pop them in my ears while I'm like walking along the city or something. But I stay home and so I would rather just use my powered active monitors or my or my headphones or whatever. Um, all right, so let's just uh, let's kind of wrap things up a little bit here. Um, any uh, any other final thoughts that you might have about the S twenty one vanilla? You know, I'm still uh, I'm actually working on my review for that today. I, I still need to take some more pictures and and uh, you know get a better feel for the camera and everything or the cameras. But uh, like I said, so far it really feels very similar to using the the larger S twenty one Ultra. I'm I, I'm a big fan of smaller phones. I've been using the Pixel 5 every day since it came out um, nice. when, when there's not a review unit. So, I mean, it's been about a week or two, but, uh, you know, that, that, that's been my go-to option because of its size. Um, and so I, I like the size of the S21 a lot better than I do the Ultra. And I like the, I li- I like the flat screen. I like the, um, I, I like the general design of this. But I, I do think... The improvements on the Ultra are definitely worth it for that sort of like power user that would typically go for a thousand plus dollar phone, right? Like you're getting the better cameras for sure. You're getting the the better, brighter, more vivid display. There there are a lot of 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 uh, plus sides to getting the Ultra, but if you're really just looking for the basic sort of uh, high end experience of a Samsung phone, I think the S twenty one Ultra has a lot going for it. And even mm-hmm. if you're worried about the plastic back, which I don't think you should be, um, I think having the metal rails on the sides makes a big difference in just making sure it still has that premium feel. Because yeah. while, while you're holding it in your hands, you know your fingers are all touching the metal rails. And so it, it still has that like cold metal touch that we sort of associate with a high-end build quality. Uh, it still feels really nice. And uh, right. you know, it comes with the bonus of it's not going to shatter if you drop it on its back. So... That is a bonus. So, and I, I really like how Samsung integrated the. Like, I hate the fact that there's still a camera bump, but I like the fact that Samsung integrated the camera bump into those metal rails for that yeah. two tone look. I, I, I totally dig that. Honestly, I was yeah, like, I think it's a, it's a great, like, really distinct look. Uh, I think most of Samsung's recent designs, they're great, but they, they sort of blend into the crowd, right? And this one, like, mm-hmm. nothing else looks like these phones, and I think that's really yeah. cool. Well, nothing else looks like it now, but you know, right. one one plus is coming out soon, and <laughs> so we'll see what uh, we'll see what other manufacturers have to uh, have to say about that. So, okay, great. Um, so let's just uh, any final thoughts on the S twenty one Ultra. So, if you had to spend your money, which one would you buy? Would you buy the Ultra or would you buy the S twenty one? Man, I think I think right now while they're running those insane deals, uh, I would get the probably the ultra even though it, it it really is just a larger phone than i am really comfortable using i i don't mm-hmm. like the size but for the cameras because i'm i'm somebody who likes to take a lot of photos with my phone uh, yeah. i would probably go for the ultra just because you can get it for what 400 bucks right now mm. that's that's <laughs> unreal and i would have to yeah, do that it is so i, I think is. you made the right call but i i think if I'm looking at these phones at their full price, Samsung's you know not running any any trade-in deals or anything like that here in right. a month or two, um, I, I would probably stick with the regular S21. I mean, I'll, I'll save 400 bucks. I'll get a phone that is more comfortable in my hand. It's it's much lighter. It's much smaller and and just easier to use. 
mm-hmm. and it still has pretty good cameras. So you're not getting the the crazy good imaging imaging of the Ultra, but they're still totally fine for just about anything you throw at them. I think yeah. the the S twenty one is is a great value. Um, that that's what I would go with if if we're looking at full price. Or hell, just wait a wait six months and wait for the S twenty one FE. Yeah, right. Coming so out because five hundred bucks or something crazy. Uh, right. I I can't wait to see what Samsung's going to do with that. If they're going to do anything with it at all, I think maybe the FE was like Samsung's tacit admission that like we kind of screwed up with the pricing this year. So yeah, let's, I, <laughs> let's kind of throw them a bone. Sort of like, you know, <laughs> dipping their toes into the water and seeing, are people into this? Like, would people buy a flat screen, plastic-backed Galaxy S device? And it, it turns out, actually, yeah, that's that's their best-selling phone, I think, of, of last year. Yep, yep. So, well, I, I have one. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I also got that through T-Mobile. So I'm going to be with T-Mobile for the next two years at least. Uh, <laughs> so, but I wasn't planning on going anywhere anyway, so yeah, it's not a go. big deal for me. So um, cool. Well, Hayato, thank you so much for coming on and yeah, uh, and giving us your time to to chat. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to have you on again. That's never been a question. Um, but uh, for now, if people want to find you, where can they do so on the internets? Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. I've got the same username everywhere, which is uh, just my first and last name, Hayato Huseman. Uh, mostly, I've ju- I'm just on Twitter and Instagram. So that's that's really the main two if you want to find me somewhere. Nice, nice, awesome. Well, I'm sure my my listeners will definitely do that, and I thank you for taking the time to come on, and let's get you on again sometime. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on again. So that's going to do it for this podcast. I'd like to thank Hayato Huseman for coming on and telling us all about the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra and the Galaxy S21 family of devices in general. I'd like to thank Cliff Thomas for all of his hard work behind the scenes, but most of all, and as always, I would like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.